He's always been a good-looking fella, Todd. And just ask him. Uh, it's been a competition between he, he and I as the the sexiest men of the Melbourne Football Club. I think he gets me. Todd, what do you reckon? No, well, I haven't actually heard that we were competing, Russell, but uh, <laughs> I've always been the fan favourite, you know that. <laughs> That's a standard Todd Monty answer. I should have expected that. <laughs> oh, the brat. How, many, how many men of Melbourne calendars did you no. do? I didn't do any. <laughs> didn't do any. How many I, I did you get? I, was back, I think I was back to back, back to back. <laughs> you didn't have a lot of competition, though, really, though, did you, back in the day? Who was the, who was the next best? Uh, uh, Stephen Tingo had a fair following he, in the day. He did. And, um, he did. Andy Lovell was quite buffed at a certain point before he, had the, he jumped ship. And he had um, the, the jaw, didn't he, Chopper? The jaw. Oh, yeah. He was a, he was a fearsome-looking guy. Uh, Tasmanian, fellow Tasmanian, Russell, yes. where you're yeah. from. Yes. Uh, his dad was a world champion woodchopper, so he, he followed in his dad's footsteps with the broad shoulders and uh, strong and strong. Oh, mate, there's some names that you're bringing up already that have got some of the fans that are uh, on here. Because I, I don't know if you've caught this show, um, Toddles. We, we've been doing this since uh, Geelong. I told you on the phone during the week, we've been doing this since the Geelong a game down in Geelong where we won out with Max's kick after the siren, which was amazing. But there was this lull that you would have felt um, where you just had to sit down on the couch. You couldn't, you know, the fans love to go out after that down Swan Street and talk about it and have a drink, but you can't do that when you're in lockdown. So we decided to do this show and I've just had these guys come on every week just to be a part and feel a part of this, um, you know, this club. And, and they've been throwing names at me from the start. They want to see, they want to know where they're all at. And you've just reeled a couple off then. Stephen Tingo, we've heard on the show, but we probably haven't mentioned Chopper Lovell, have we? Where's Chop Chop at the moment? Do you know? Well, I, I think he had spent quite a few years up in Queensland. Uh, he was coaching at the Gold Coast, uh, Gold Coast Suns. So I'm not sure he's still involved with the Gold Coast Suns, but I think he's still based up there. Yeah. Um, oh, he'd be uh, loving it up there. there. He'd be loving yeah. it up there. He'd have his shirt off all the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, well, it was hard to, it was hard to get in the gym um, with the Stinger and Chopper. Yes. One particular time, Glenn Lovett fancied himself in the gym, but um, just didn't have the same sort of uh, stature as those two other. No, um, no. I think he might have done a. He was more the smart, intelligent type, yes. you know. Probably appealed to a different market, mysterious uh, than than Stinger and Chopper. But absolutely, uh, more now, the thinking man. Glenn. He was, and Matthew. No, I got to read you Matthew Nolan's message. I don't know if you can see on the screen there, uh, Toddles, but. Matthew says, my mum had many fantasies about Todd back in the day. He used to make my ears bleed hearing about them. <laughs> no, that, that's, that's awkward if your mum's telling you about it. <laughs> it's very, very awkward. But let's, let's get into it. Let's crack into this. Let's talk about – we'll talk about the, the team now because I know you're very close to it. Obviously, we know that. But what people love to hear about mostly is back in the day. You know, the, the, the era that they used to go to the G when they had time, these guys that are jumping on now, and, and saw some of the superstars like Stretchy and Straubs and, and, and these kinds of those players of that ilk. Um, you came through at a really exciting time for the Melbourne Football Club. There was a lull for a lot of years, Barassi uh, coaching, and then these young kids come through like you and Gary. Um, and all those names that you've just reeled off, and you had some success for a while. What was the difference back then, mate? What did you feel was the difference that got this club going again through the uh, late 80s, early 90s? Well, it's probably not too dissimilar to um, 
the uh, re-emergence of the team that we're seeing at the moment. I mean, it's, it's built on youth. Um, so we had, um, in 1987, was my first year, and as you say, Ron Brassy had just finished his five-year plan. John Northey was the, the coach who was in his second year as coach. I think he started in 86. Um, but really that team that's played finals in 1987, which was the first time uh, since uh, 1964, I reckon, was the first time. Was I think at the time it was like 23 years since we played mm. the finals. But it was on the back of the um, the under-19 premiership team. You had guys, Graham Yates, Greg Healy. Um, you mentioned Steve O'Dwyer. But um, a lot of the guys had come through. Gary Lyon, Brett Lovett um, had come through under-19s with, mm. with Melbourne. Mm. Uh, I think Brett came from Hawthorne, but... There was a lot of guys, Brett, ba- uh, yeah, Brett Bailey, who else? We a lot of the guys came through the under-19s. And then um, they managed to, Cameron Schwab was a recruiting manager at the time, he managed to get a few players like uh, Earl Spalding, the Duke. The Duke. The Melbourne man and then went to Carlton to play in the Premiership. The Duke, Warren Dean, the myself came in one year in 1987. Yeah. That was Rob Flowers last year. He was really... Yes. One of the few that were left, um, Steve Nick was the best and fairest winner. Yeah. Alan Jarrett was an older guy. That Brian Wilson, Brownlow medalist, they were still playing. Obst. Um, um, yeah, Obba came. He was a fantastic player. So it was on the back of under-19s players and then a few interstate recruits that we managed to pick up. The Phoebes came yeah. from Tasmania, Stephen and Matthew. Um, but we had a couple of really good players like... Uh, they came from nowhere. Uh, Doug Coop, Dean Sharon, who was a, yeah. they were tough as tough, you know. Mm. And mm. we were a real competitive team. Um, I reckon teams hated playing us in the late '80s, early '90s. Yeah. Um, yeah. Probably a team that's a little bit more talented. But having said that, when you look at some of the names that played in that period, we had some unbelievable talent: Steins, mm. Lyon, Jakovic, mm. Neitz, Schwartz, Grinter, um, Grinter, Brett Lovett was an All Australian halfback. Yeah, um, Sean White was a freak. So there were some guns there. No, there's some some fans reeling off names here too, like Flintoff, Newport, Eichold. I mean, it really was a stacked team. And if I think back on it, um, you know, I was a very young man, but n- n- you learn stuff when you're at the club. And and I've heard so many times from the people that we were just really unlucky uh, with our finals campaigns, with our setups, with having to go to West Coast one year, with a couple of weeks off another year. Um, because of a draw, you know, it just seemed like you guys were just right ready, but you're always up against this Hawthorne team that had was stacked with players like Brereton and Dunstall. But you were about there was there was a time there where you were better than that team. You know, you you would have thought that you were better than Brereton and Dunstall because and, and Bacanara and Dipper and names like that. I mean, they're they're infamous names, but you were a better team than them in some of those years. We uh, we had a great record against Hawthorne in that. In that period, the late 80s, and we obviously came up against the Hawks uh, in the 88 grand final. Um, you know, we played them in the 87 prelim, and I think during that year when we were just starting to emerge, we might have beaten them, and they were one of the, the super sides. And then the 87 prelim, you know, we were in front for the whole game up until mm-hmm. uh, the famous last kick of the day after the siren. So, you now we had a great record against the Hawks. They blew us out of the water with their class and mm. we were probably a little bit inexperienced and didn't handle the, the grand final that well in 88. Mm. But we had some super teams, super talent, and we just couldn't quite get there. Yeah, we played 
a prelim in um, you know in against West Coast. I mean, they were once again a superpower yeah. state team. Some unbelievable players that played in that that team, and we couldn't get over the line. Yeah. So we're around the mark. We've got some injuries too at certain stages. You know, the Ox yeah. broke down with his knee. Uh, Gary Hurt's back, back yeah. and struggled. Uh, Stinger got pushed through a glass window and had a lot of trouble with his hip from then on. Um, Glenn Lovett had some calf injuries. A guy called Paul Primke, a fan would know. He was an unbelievable player from South Australia, unheralded, but was really beaten. Loved playing on Kernahan, beat him all the time. Yeah. And he got a disease in his back and, and never played again. Yeah. So yeah. there were some hard luck stories, but ultimately we just couldn't get it, couldn't quite get it done, which mm. haunted me and my teammates and Melbourne supporters up until this year, of course. Oh, look, mate, and, and I feel that pain because, I mean, you were still at the club when I first arrived and you know what the club was like then. I mean, we it may have been okay 15 years before, but the facility itself had became so dilapidated and so far behind what everybody else was getting into. And because of our financial status, we weren't able to sort of keep up, which would have been incredibly frustrating for you, no doubt, being the, the elder statesman and the leader at the club at the time. You would have loved to have been able to... to maybe use that sports science that we didn't have to maybe in 2000 and, and look, 98, when you were there, we were, we were a fantastic team, really balanced, I thought. And yes, we did have those injuries, but some, some young kids coming through as well. What about 98 around that era? Um, these young kids coming through, did you feel like, well, yes, maybe you were a chance again? Yeah, no, absolutely. 98 was the year, um, you know, we played in the prelim. So that was, that was Dana's, what, second uh, second year? Or? Second year, yeah. Second year, yeah. And I re- he had amazing... Uh, no, first. First year. First year, first year. yeah. yeah. You know, it was first year. Amazing impact so quickly. You know, he came in. He uh, really taught his game style, demanded a lot. Um, you know, probably for the first time, he really challenged some of us older guys. I can remember Neil speaking to the group saying, you know, for the 4K time trial... If you want to play in the midfield, you're going to have to yeah. run under 15 minutes. And then after the meeting, I went up and said, G'day and welcome to the club. He said, What time do you run the uh, 4K? And he, I said, Oh, I've got no idea. I've never really timed myself. And he said, Well, why not? I said, Oh, I guess I just never really thought it was that important. He goes, Well, if you don't uh, get 15 minutes, you won't be playing in the midfield. Now, do you think it's important? <laughs> so, uh, you know, all of a sudden, he put me on notice right from that first meeting. and that was the same with some of the other senior guys. Got the best out of us as an older group of players. And you young guys came and um, played through the roof and got us, you know, I think we beat West Coast over there, didn't we? Really yeah. young team. Yep. Early in the year and we showed that we could beat anyone and we uh, we went all the way to a, a prelim um, yeah. and lost to North. But uh, I, I certainly did feel like that year we were as good, as close as any of the years I, I was at Melbourne. Yeah, um, and so it was there, but just couldn't quite get it done. It's, that first meeting must have been uh, early in the piece because guys that are watching this show, and there's so many comments here, uh, totals that I just can't get to because there's so much other great stuff that we're we're talking about on the fly. Um, but we had to do a a preseason. It was a Caulfield Grammar, wasn't it, down there? Yeah, the, uh, yeah. The, the luxurious lawns and the beautiful surrounds of the Caulfield Grammar, and we only went there is because Danners was going to teach us this new game plan, right? And yeah, yeah. you know, it's really my first year at a '97. We went up to Bond Uni. We we were Barmy had been there a couple of years, and we know that he didn't really 
do too much in t- team meetings. It was all pretty much get out and sh- do what you can do. But with Neil, he was going to start us again from scratch. Bring your textbooks because we're going to be learning this, right? And we had this competition uh, over this four or five, six-week period where we were going to learn this game plan and there would be a quiz at the end. There was going to be a quiz. You had to answer all the questions that he'd been talking about. I think it might have been 30, 40 questions. And a week later, Danners gets up in front of us and goes, the results are in. I'm going through the top five uh, best marks. And you should have heard the room absolutely cry foul when he read out that the winner was Todd Viney. You got nearly every question right. Now, you must have, that first meeting scared you. You must have had your, your thinking cap on and your listening ears. Uh, no, I was. I was wired in because he put me on notice. And uh, as one of the senior guys, I mean, I was never that great at school, but by God, I listened and studied that that few days. We had a call for grammar and um, it came out ducks of the school, which wasn't oh. too hard to beat some of my dumb teammates. No, oh, Gary wasn't happy. Gary threw his uh, book. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he, uh, he, he's very ultra competitive, Gaz. So uh, he, he, he wouldn't you, like that. He thought he had you covered there. And look, yeah, you, you had some great players. And I related this story um, last week when I said we were going to get you. I said that um, oh, maybe it was the, the video I did yesterday. I was talking about how, uh, and you're going to tell a story in a minute about what you got me doing. But here's a story: we were doing a, a training session over in Malvern. There's a bit of parkland over there, and we were the nomads, weren't we? We just whenever there was grass, we would would go and take over because we had no frigging home ground until April because the cricket was always being played on the junction over. Well, that's another story. Anyway, we're over there in Malvern, and uh, Adam is in your training group. You've got the brand new Porsche Boxer water car that was. That was just the best. We were all salivating over going, how good is this? Schwabby's like, yep, Todd's deserved this. He's earned this. You know, he spent a bit of money on it. Might look a little bit uh, over the top, but he deserves it. You've thrown the keys to Adam Uze very confidently. I don't know why to this day and said to him, can you just move, reverse the car for me? Or maybe he asked if he could. Can you tell the fans what happened next? Well, then he uh, then he proceeded to reverse my car straight into, I don't know whose car it was, but he reversed my brand new $130,000 Porsche into someone else's car. And then he, he came back very, very sheepish uh, and uh, very apologetic, um, promised, promised that he was going to look after and do it. But, yeah, that was a, a sad oh. day. And I'm surprised my temper held yes. him. Good stead because uh, you wouldn't be coaching the Premiership midfield today if I let go. No, no. <laughs> I said it's one of those stories that lives in infamy amongst my era. How could you crash? Yeah. <laughs> He's just bought his brand new baby home, and you've stuck. Anyway, a, a question has just popped up, and I, and I'll, we'll jump around because it's um, it's a good thing to answer these questions. Jenny uh, Love wants to know how did it feel for you, and we saw the footage on the Melbourne Footy Club website of you being surprised by your boy uh, bringing the uh, the cup into the room. And I must say, you were very astute at the time. What a big bushy beard you had. You were looking very <laughs> wild man, a Borneo Bushman. Uh, but yeah. anyway, the question is, how did it feel when you saw that uh, bit of silverware? No, it was uh, it was amazing. I mean, I've looked at – I mean, it's been picked up by a few of the different um, social media sites and shared again. And I've, I've read a couple of comments to say it was staged and uh, – I didn't, you know, like I didn't see the camera was on me or whatever, but it was a total surprise, total shock. Um, really surreal that, you know, Jack came up with it. Um, 
I mean, we've, we've spoken about it. We, we tried so hard to get one ourselves um, and couldn't quite get there. And then your son takes up the challenge. Yeah. Goes to the club that you played at. Um, and we struggled for a period of time. His first three or four years, a baptism of fire and really probably questioned you as a father and, and a mother at some stages. We were saying, oh, did we do the right thing in sending Jack to Melbourne? Um, <laughs> of course, that was some of our deepest, darkest times. But he was fully committed and to see him go through those tough times, come out the other end, win a premiership, and then for him to bring it up here and surprises. Uh, it was really special. I took it on a on its own uh, tour of the farm. I've taken that to see the cows, um, took it you know, to my favourite spots, taken photos with it, uh, top of the hill. Um, so I really cherished that, the opportunity to um, take some photos and yeah. put it in the game for, uh, for the future. It's it's a wonderful thing to see, and it's because you're seeing a father with a son. And we got we got a photo here. We'll flick this up as well. This is the early days of when Jack first got to the club. Um, look at you two there. So similar in, in the look. You, the viney jeans really, <laughs> really is dominant there. Uh, it'd be eighteen there, probably seventeen there in that photo. Uh, you're less. Yeah, I think. I think he might have been just seventeen because he he sort of signed before he turned yeah. eighteen. Um, yeah. So he would have been yeah, probably seventeen years of age. Yeah, uh, seems like in some respects doesn't seem that long ago, but you know, all of a sudden, I think he's played nine years of senior footy. Um, yeah, so now he's one of the older, older, he's 27. Um, so he's played some senior footy and now he's one of the, the senior guys, young, yeah, young guys coming in. Jake Bowie, you know, seven games, yeah, seven wins in a premiership and 18 years of age. So, um, he's one of the older guys. Mate, and you've got a lot to do with this premiership as well because, you know, you've stepped away now, but you were there uh, very present for a, a, probably the first three quarters of his career thus far, uh, Jack, uh, working, you know, obviously at the club in recruitment and um, then a, a few various roles and you were even a coach at some point uh, along the way. So you were everything to everyone down at Melbourne Football Club, but there's still some more stories about Jack I want to talk about because, he, he, as I said, the fans love the stories and here's a great story. You come from Tasmania. And, and you sit down in the uh, the junction over, you're throwing your kit, you get there early and you're sitting at your new locker. I was number 42. And then slowly at around about 4, 4.30, which is just before training time, the stars walk in. Jimmy Steins walks across the room. Uh, doesn't say anything to anyone, which was typical of Jimmy Steins back then. <laughs> get in, get out. Uh, and then Gary walks in and then Todd walks in and all these Steve Tingo superstars. And I'm just sitting there going, this is amazing. This is phenomenal. I've really hit the jackpot. I, I've watched these guys on TV. Schwarter, you know, the Tingos we knew. Uh, sorry, the Phoebes we knew because of Tasmania. And then uh, after a few months in pre-season, you're working your ass off to show these guys that you can really do it. Todd says to me, Robbo and a couple other young kids, you're coming around to my house. I'm going to buy you lunch. You're going to have lunch on me. You might have to do a little bit of work for it, but you're coming to my house anyway. So, we, you know, I was, wow, going to Todd Bonnie's house is going to be amazing. Um, we roll up to the house and it's fully in renovation phase. Like the house is hardly a frigging house. It's, it's a shell, right? The front half of it, old, old Federation style, style house, I suppose you'd say. And we were all given a room to demolish. Uh, and I'm not talking demolish the plaster that was uh, the, the gyp rock plaster. We're talking the old horsehair bloody plaster. I spent a day in one room and then I was out the front painting <laughs> and I got a sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it, it, it had 
it had the lot. It was a sandwich with <laughs> the lot. It was uh, a good I sandwich. After, I looked after my workers. And now it was trying to build relationships with the younger teammates, get to know them, get to know them who could work and work hard. You know, there was a bit of method behind the madness. Yeah, okay, right, right. Yeah. And I was a little bit I was a little bit taken aback with some of your work ethic early days. Because <laughs> yeah. he did spend a lot of time asking for drinks. Can I get a drink now? Can I get a drink? Can I go to the toilet? No, Russell, you can't go to the toilet until you pull down that wall. <laughs> there was a lot of question marks over me back in those early days, I'm sure. <laughs> you had to report back to Danners on what was going on. Oh, wow. No, they were good days. And I did say um, we were going to talk about the, the in the pre-show before you came on, Dob, I was talking, I'm going to talk about the parenting style with, with Jack because, to be honest, it, it was hard for you and Meg to raise that boy of yours. Menace from the start. I knew he was a menace. When we used to go to after-match functions, Toddles, and you remember this really well, we'd have to go over to the Redleys over in the, the Great Southern Sand, or we'd be sent off to a room just to give back to the supporters. They were the days, you know, they were great. But your boy would be with Meg in one of the rooms uh, and and full of sugar, no doubt. After a game, he's running around and just knocking in everyone. And I remember getting headbutted probably about 10 different <laughs> – on 10 different occasions by your boy right in the centre of the body there. He was brilliant. Brilliant and fine in the soft spot. He was hard at it as a 10-year-old. Raising that kid must have been a full-time job for you. No, yeah, it was it was a challenge. Um he didn't he, as you say, he didn't he didn't sit still. He had plenty of energy and um he, he's always had some sort of fascination about uh, hurting people. Like you just said, he just managed to always find that soft spot and um <laughs> Yeah, and no, I think we used to come into the, the gym at the Junction Oval and, you know, it was the gym racks that used to have to take a pin out of the, the gym weights yeah, yeah. to stick it in the different weights you wanted. Well, somehow we found a, a way of grabbing one of the um, rubber tubing that we used to have to rub the to wrap the ice packs around our legs to keep it tight. And you used to take it from one side of the lap pull-down machine to the other yeah. and then pull out the pin and use it as a human, uh, as a as a missile projecting uh, gun that used to fire at people. Uh, and I think you might have broken a window at one stage or mirror at some point. Yeah, which uh, you, were, you weren't that happy with because you couldn't see yourself doing yeah, curls. Uh, no, he was full on. He was full on, and um, we always thought it maybe it would come to come to good at some point. But uh, well, it, it has. It has come to good. Because uh, we love the way he crashes in. So the next question, I think it was a question that somebody posed uh, before. Um, do you see yourself in the way he plays? Do you see a lot of what you do, what you did in what he does? Because I, 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 like, and I like this question because I've got a son at the moment. He's playing basketball. And sometimes you'll see him move here or there and you go, oh, that was similar to what I, I used to do. And it's a joy. It really is a joy to see, um, you know, that come through. You're, who was the harder man first? Was it you or him? <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I, I'm amazed at. Uh, I mean, he, I'm I'm 183 centimeters, and I played at you know probably 89, 90 kilograms. So I was a you know quite a big midfielder for mm. for the time. Probably not compared to uh, these days, Patrick Cripps and you know the Bond and all those guys. But mm. Mm. you know, for the time, you know, I was a big midfielder, and um, I played I played the way Jack plays. You know, it's uh, head in. Uh, head down and straight through and tackle hard uh, and compete all day. Well, he does the same thing, but he's 178 yeah. centimetres. And um, 
he's still quite strong. I mean, he's might be 84, 85 kilograms, but you know, I was a lot bigger frame. So his body's taken a bit of a pounding because he plays the same way, but just doesn't have the same sort of protection that probably I did. Yeah, some um, padding. <laughs> I had a bit more padding, yeah. And, um, but no, I, I see bits and pieces. I mean, um, with similar styles, we, we're just competitors. And I think that's – and most weeks you probably knew what you were going to get out of yeah. out of the way I played and you probably know what you're going to get out of Jack most weeks too. Well, what I love about Jack is we still see a little bit of the old footballer in him. And I don't mean the way he, uh, the old way he used to play. I mean the old footballer, the, the stuff that we grew up with, which is, you know, if there's someone to be lined up and hit, he's going to do that job. But do it fairly. Um, I think his question to the coach uh, at the start of the uh, sort of start of grand final week was, "I've got a great game plan. Uh, first first play for you, coach. I've got a great first play, and Goody's waiting for the you know this is going to be a beautiful bit of tap work by Max down to someone, and we're going to weave it through and get to the forward line. But no, it was nothing to do with that. It was who he was going to line up and and belt at the first percent of bounce, which is absolutely brilliant. I love I love that about him that he's still got that old footballer in him." Yeah, no, um, and I think the first, you know, the, I guess the question mark over our preparation was one game in 28 days. And yeah. Are we going to come out ready to play? And, um, you know, the first the first uh, contest, I think it was centre bounce and Jack is in there and he manages to get hold of one of his former schoolmates in Jack McRae and gets hold of him twice. And I think, yeah. set, you know, set a bit of a tone and said, okay, well, no, Melbourne looked like, they're ready to play and they mean yeah. business. And I think that was a probably a good first 30 seconds for us. Yeah. I, I love the way he played his whole final series, actually, because you know you've got track and you know you're Oliver and Max is in there doing some great things. Whereas whereas your boy's not the flashy one doing that um, because of his height as well. And Ollie, Clayton Oliver's six foot two, six foot two. He's your modern day uh, midfielder, which is deceptive. You stand next to him and I feel dwarfed standing next to him. I played bloody centre half forward for crying out loud. Um, but he's yeah. your in and under, and he's your quick hands, and he comes out with 30 possessions every single week. So he was so valuable to our midfield makeup because it takes all types. You can't have one style in there. You can't have three nuts in there. You've got to have some silk. You've got to have some outside, and you've got to have some inside. So a good mixture. I love the way uh, he played his final series. But let's not keep blowing uh, wind up his ass because it's all about you this week uh, yeah. on the show. I, I need some more love. I yes. Need more love. <laughs> and you're getting it. Don't worry. The the, the fans here are just uh, all over it. They love it. Uh, I I think it was on that very same day. It might have been a different day where you invited us over to have a, a, a catch-up to your house and the lovely Meg made us some, uh, some food and Jack was running around like crazy. Uh, and he was being naughty. He really was, Jack. Um, guys that are watching the show, Jack was a naughty boy sometimes, and boys with energy are naughty boys because you're trying to relax and have a good time and 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 chill with the adults, and you've got this kid running through the room and jumping on everything. Well, the coffee table, you might not remember the story, you might remember it, Todd, but I certainly do. The coffee table, he kept getting on the coffee table, and you did not want him to get on the coffee table. And you were like, Jack, get off the coffee table, and he looked at you, and with a defiant look on his face, like, no. Stuff your dad. I'm going to get on the. Co- he got up a bit higher. You're like, get off the coffee table. <laughs> he continued to ca- get up on the coffee table and he put his head down near the wood. You grabbed his head and you banged his head into the wood. <laughs> really? Oh, no, I don't, I don't think that's true, Russell. <laughs> I, I, I think you're putting a bit of sauce on. on that. 
And he'll end up up in jail. It was only a little, it it wasn't a big hit. It was just a little one to let him know that you're being naughty. And he looked up at you, like shocked, like, (laughs) and you looked at him and said, don't cry, don't cry. And he didn't, he sucked it in and he walked out of the room and I'm like, oh, that kid's going to be a killer. Well, they reckon that you, that uh, they reckon you're a product of your environment, and I think uh, I think he certainly wasn't uh, he wasn't mothered um, too much. He was no. sort of uh, get up and get on with it. So I think I think I'm a big believer in the environment's got something to do with the way oh, your children work, your children work out. How did Meg go with that? Your beautiful wife, because. Um... Childhood sweethearts, lovely story, you know, all the way through the career. She was by your side. She's a great support um, and great support for Jack as well. Um, how did she go uh, with such a crazy, crazy boy running through the house? Yeah, no, um, he tested He tested everyone. And uh, his mother was, you know, at one point of time when I, uh, we'd moved to Echuca hmm. and, and I'd been up there two years. Then I got an opportunity to go to Hawthorne and coach with Clarko in 2005. Jack was still in primary school, um, just started at 208 uh, with Oliver Wines. And, um, you know, he got into that environment and, you know, it was a great education for him because there's kids from all different backgrounds uh, in the country. Like he was at Camberwell South and pretty much all the kids at Camberwell South were all cookie cutters of each other. We all, all the mums drove the same car. Dad's had uh, similar jobs. Yep. Um, then he went to a chook and then it was the wild, wild west in some regards. <laughs> and he got he got bullied a couple of times, or they tried to bully him. And um, one day he turned up and uh, he got into a got into a fight. And his and I was living down in Melbourne. Basically, I was going back to a chooker on a Tuesday night, spending Wednesday, and then coming back five o'clock Thursday morning. So yeah. his mum had basically full time. Yeah, and she had a couple of visits to the um, headmaster's office and. That cold, cold with um, Jack being bullied by this kid, and unfortunately got into a fight, and um, you know hit him and broke his thumb. And then he had to go up. And had to go in. She ran me in tears, um, and I thought something had happened. You know, some yeah. sort of accident. Yeah. Um, so I had to get in the car basically and front the Atuka headmaster two hundred eight to uh, explain Jack's behaviour. Um, so. He, put, he had his mother in tears quite a few times, particularly because he took advantage that I was in Melbourne and he was up there just, just with her and yeah. ran uh, right over everyone. But he's got a good relationship with his mum. Mum's, uh, mum's been um, by his side all the way through. And now if they talk, if, if I talk footy with Jack, I get told to shut up. Shut up, uh, yeah. But if his mother talks to him, he listens. So there you go. <laughs> I love that. That's awesome. Hey, uh, country boy. Adelaide boy, we know he. Uh, you came across from Adelaide in, uh, you know, the, the the mid to late eighties. Uh, we we know the story about you being the brat. We got a photo here uh, of you in your early days. Someone just said before, look at the two beautiful grins on the screen at the moment. You and I are laughing at a story. Well, what about this cheesy, cheesy? <laughs> We're gonna this one here. Look at that. Oh, what a rooster. That's, uh... No, I had the had the tips going there for a while. It was yeah. just the lemon juice. I can't remember. But I think it, <laughs> I, um, I fell into all the trappings. I I reckon that was probably my second year there. Yeah. Uh, 19, 1988. So um, <laughs> I look back and think some of the things I did. I said, well, I can't believe Why? I did that. I can't oh, believe man. I got my hair tipped. I can't believe I got a Porsche. Um, 
you know, I lost my way for a certain period of time. <laughs> Me too, many times. I, I watch some of the games and look at the hairdos and then and then I think about, you know, some of the some of the things I did within those games. Like I just was just playing on instinct there. There was there was no real thought thinking through that because I wouldn't have done that if I was a smarter man. Um there's a question here I want to go to. Um because I mentioned you're, you, the, the country has, has a calling for you. You, you, you. You're not a city boy. As much as you probably look like a city boy back then, you're not a city boy anymore. You, you like getting out of the country. Someone said something about Robbie Flower up in the Murray. Did you catch up with the, the tulip much up in the Murray? Was, was that what the question was, I think? Yeah, yeah. well, no, Robbie and I became, as I said, my first year was Robbie's last year. I'd actually met him a couple of years before when Melbourne were trying to recruit me. And they sent me to live with uh, Robbie for a week because I thought I'd like to have a sports store maybe down the track, you know. Yep. So Robbie had yep. a chain of sports stores. We became great mates. Um, and my first investment after my first paycheck in 1987, I got $15,000 and I went halves with a speedboat with Robbie Flower. <laughs> great mates. So we ended up going water skiing a lot up at the Murray River with um, through David Williams, who's a a Rochi boy, Rochester boy. Yes. Uh, who gave 30. me number 12. In fact, he, st- he was number 12, then wanted to go to 15, gave me number 12. So he uh, lived up at Rochester. We went water skiing with uh, the Tulip and became great mates and bought a boat. So I've always had a loving um, affection for the country lifestyle. Yeah. And uh, went to live in Echuca, um, you know, down the, down the track after footy finished. But, you know, Robbie was a great mate of mine and, Someone that I've thought about a lot since we've just won this premiership. You know, he was so diehard, never got to play apart from that last year in finals. So he played three finals. Yeah. Um, it's just been so rapt to have seen us win this, uh, this premiership. So I've spoken to his family a little bit over this last month or so, uh, yep. just to touch base. But he was a great man, Robbie Flower. He certainly was, certainly was. And, uh, yeah, you got to play with the great man, which will lead me to a question next. But he mentioned Dirty Dave. He thinks he's still in Rochester. He's got a tyre business yeah. up there, doesn't he? Yeah, he's the king. He's the king of the he's Golden the king Gold. of Rock. Yeah. He, um, he's got a tyre tire business, but I think he's one of the wealthiest wealthiest men in uh, in the Golden Valley. I'm not sure it's all tyres, but he's done remarkably well. <laughs> There you go, ladies and gentlemen. If you're in, you're ever in the Golden Valley or up Rochy Way, see if you can find Dirty Dave because he's a super super footballer back in the day and a great and, Melbourne as well. And a super coach. He was amazing, yeah. amazing coach. He had an unbelievable uh, history of coaching Rochester and um, had a great as well. rivalry with Simon Eyshold, another Melbourne uh, player that coached Echuca. And so the Echuca Rochester clashes were of, huge. You know, huge, and they used to punch on all the time, oh, dirty yeah. and ice. Yeah. yeah, they built they built them built them very hard up in the country, and there's no exception up that way. Rochi and uh, I think I played a game up in Rochester once, um, and the, the crowd uh, it was quite scary, quite intimidating. I, I thought I'd seen some crowds, but this was uh, the I think it was the the wet the wet areas behind the the the, the goals at one end. And I absolutely copped it from from the guys. <laughs> it's on that bitumen area. One end's just trees, and the other end's a bitumen area. And I reckon there was beer, beer cans thrown thrown at me in the goal, goal, goal square at one stage. So, 
Oh, yeah. you you got to get out in the country and play footy. That's when you know you're really living. Now, Toddles, um, the headband question somebody's already asked before. We've got to talk about the tennis because it's another question that was asked. Um, we, you, you don't really see, for instance, me with my music and football, those don't usually go hand in hand. Tennis and football surprisingly does. A lot of guys playing football uh, love their tennis. Neil Danaher loved his tennis. He used to play all the time. Uh, Tulip apparently played with you. He was a pretty yeah, handy good player. Good, yeah. good little tennis player, yeah. So, so your tennis history, give us that one. And, and then, of course, the retirement and then the coming back and all that stuff. Yeah, well, I mean, just like most young kids, um, I played everything as a, you know, when I first started going to primary school, I played football, tennis, and did athletics. Um, and then, you know, you have the opportunity to represent the state in different things. And, I represent the state in athletics, then football, and then tennis. And um, probably football was always my favourite, though. I grew up a Sturt football club fan. My dad was involved with the Sturt footy club. You played for Sturt, yeah? Yeah, football players were my heroes, the Sturt footy players. But when I got to about first year high school, tennis, I'd just been away in my first Australian team overseas, and I was in the top couple of kids in Australia, really, number one yeah. in South Australia from age. And then, you know, just the ball started rolling where, you know, maybe tennis is the right career path to, to concentrate on. So I gave up football first year high school to concentrate on tennis. Yeah. And then uh, by the age of 16, so at the end of year 10, I went to live at the Institute of Sport in Canberra as part of that team with Darren Cale and the guys like Mark Kratzman, Pat Cash, was a, a year older, Mark Woodford. Uh, no, Mark Woodford wasn't part of that team, but... Um, good era. Good era of tennis Yeah, it was a good era. In. And then I did that for another two years, basically two years at the Institute of Sport and travelling the world playing. And uh, I just got a bit jaded with it and didn't love it. I was playing because I was good at it and I thought I'd make a career out of it. But I didn't love it like the other guys did. I hated travelling, so... I was in Sweden, uh, no, Switzerland. I decided I was going to give up. I told the Australian coach I'm giving up. I rang my mum and dad. Uh, I ended up having to stay in Geneva, Switzerland for a week by myself yeah. while my teammates went on before I could get a flight back. And then I said, well, God, what am I going to do now? And I thought, oh, I'd like to play footy. So I wrote out a bit of a plan yeah. to play footy. I got back from Switzerland on a Friday. The Sturt Football Club knew I was coming back through my father. They signed me up to play under-19s the next day. Yeah. Took me down to the Oval, got a pair of boots, played under-19s the next day, played full forward, your position. <laughs> uh, played the next three games. We made the finals, and then we played the finals, and we won the grand final. And wow. then uh, all of a sudden, I was away, and then the next year, I played senior football for Sturt. Yeah. And that's when I got contacted by Cameron Schwab from Melbourne. Um, I went away on a footy trip to San Francisco, Los Angeles, Hawaii, with Ron Barassi and the players to get to know him. Yeah. And, um, and Kevin Sheedy used to fly in, but I decided I wanted to go to Melbourne. And then um, then it all started. Rest you know, so that was, the, that was the tennis into football. Happened really quick. And I can't believe that I was playing VFL footy um, after two years uh, playing footy again. I mean, you you don't look back and go, well, I wish I'd gone down that path because you were able to be a part of so many special moments for the Melbourne Football Club. And and I've had time to reflect over the last um, 
six to eight weeks since we've won this premiership or however many weeks it's been. Time is a funny thing since COVID came around. Um, I, I look back on my career at my time, going from 97 through to 2009, we had our opportunities. We're a good team and we could have won a premiership. And then, you know, you see your son bring it home with this amazing setup that we've got at the club now. It's just a phenomenal setup. And there's so many people that put a power of working to get the club to this point. Uh, and, and then they get the this amazing glory. But I don't regret a thing. I, I wouldn't change a thing. I mean, the way I feel now about the club, of course, you and I would have loved to be premiership players for the Melbourne Football Club, but I feel like I'm part of a tapestry. I feel like I'm a part of this 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 thing. We're all a part of it, and 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 I'm getting that from all the supporters as well, and I'm sure you feel that way. And, and a question has come up here that I want to touch on. The Western Oval Round 2287. Did you play in that game when it was all about doing for Robbie and the Hawthorne game yeah. down along? What was yeah, that like? No, that was my that was my first that was my first year. I mean, I, I concur with what you're saying. I mean, I, I've been blessed um, to be at the Melbourne Footy Club, and um, you know, it's been a big part of my life since I was well. I was a bit older because I because of my tennis background. So I was yeah. 20 when I came over. Had my 21st birthday at Melbourne. Um, after my first game, playing for my first game of football for Melbourne. Um, and to be part of that year, you know, we played finals. We had to win the last six games of the year. We had to beat uh, Footscray at the Western Oval on the last game. And we needed Hawthorne to beat Geelong down at Geelong, yeah. I reckon. Um, so that was a historic game in so many respects because um, we hadn't played finals for that. 23 or 24 years. Yeah. So to be part of that, and then we were on a mission. We we smashed North Melbourne in that first final series. I kicked the first goal from the from the boundary, which people still ask me, was I actually trying to kick it? Was I centering <laughs> it? Um, and so uh, I wasn't a renowned goal kicker, Russell. No. Um, but then we smashed Sydney in the second game. And both those teams had belted us during the year. Um, Sydney were red-hot favourites. had Kappa and Healy and Diesel Williams, Bernard Tui, they had a great, great team. And then we got to play Hawthorne, which becomes folklore in that yeah. prelim. Yeah. Um, and then we played in the grand final in 88. So, yeah. I mean, I was blessed. Under John Northey, we played finals for seven years in a row. Really good team. Yeah. Really good bunch of mates. Great times. Great camaraderie yeah. with, the, with the players and the girls. And then, um, you know, then I was lucky enough to get into... When I finished playing in 99, Dennis asked me to come back with Jimmy and Gary to do a bit of coaching yep. on a part-time basis. And then I coached you know, with Clarko at Hawthorne, went to Adelaide Crows, then came back to Melbourne. I spent up to the last couple of years, nine years back at Melbourne in different roles, as you said, yeah. mainly in list, list management um, and a little stint as a standing coach when Dean Bailey um, finished up. But I've pretty much done everything. You know, mm. I'm a Melbourne person. Melbourne shaped me into the person I am. Yeah. And uh, I wanted to come back, you know, after a bit of success at Hawthorne Premiership, after going to Adelaide to try and help the rejuvenation of Melbourne. And I spent nine years trying to rebuild uh, with a lot of other people yeah. that have put in so much time to, to get us to that final that we had uh, the other day. Amen to that. Absolutely. So many. As someone says here, hi, Todd. Gina Gina Hartskiri says hi. Uh, I'm assuming you know who that is. Gina is great. Gina, Gina and Roller, great Melbourne people. Been around when I was playing. Been 
you know, sponsors of Jack for a long time too. So awesome. uh, great, great people. It really is a, a big family, uh, the Melbourne Football Club. And I, I've felt that since this premiership too. And, and I've just felt like, uh, I mean, as a, as a player, you, you feel a little differently to the supporters that have been doing it since they were two, you know, supporting a team. And we had the opportunity to bring that glory to the club. So I feel like it's a little bit of a different feeling. But what I've felt mostly, uh, Todd, you probably feel the same way as me, is such joy for all of those guys like Gina, like, um, you know, the, the Don McClarty's of the club that have done everything, the people that have supported and put their hard-earned. And it's not just the hard-earned, it's actually the emotion towards towards it. It's it's every single day wishing and hoping their whole lives and it finally comes into fruition. That's such a joy, isn't it? It is. I mean, I think this has really unified the club. Um, Melbourne's been a great club, but because of the lack of success, I mean, the ultimate success, like you had success, uh, with Neil and I had success with Neil and John Northey and there's been eras where we've been respected and um, a good club but you know we've gone without the ultimate success yeah. and unfairly I think we've been tarnished with this um, you know negative reputation you know the snow skiers and all, all that type of stuff you know a bit like Geelong before they became a great team yeah um, the last 15 years later the handbaggers and uh, yeah Richmond, they were always the perennial come ninth. And until you get the monkey off the back, you know, you've got to cop it. But I really think this premiership's united everyone, all the different eras yeah. from past yeah. players, um, people that have been Melbourne people but perhaps haven't really embraced the club, I think, because of a lot of things that have gone on. But I think it's brought everyone together. This yeah. is the starting point. I think we've put everything else behind us now. And yeah. Yeah. Um, I think we've got a great future the club's in good hands, uh, good playing list, well admin- administered, uh, good recruiting people, good coaches. Yeah. Um, and now let's get behind them. And uh, I think that's what this premiership's done is brought everyone together and brought so much joy. Yeah. What's the brother Jay up to these days? Yeah, no, Jay's in, uh, in Adelaide after finishing at Melbourne. He went back to Adelaide. He went back to the Sturt Football Club. He, um, he played footy under Phil Carmen, who's a famous... Fabulous. Person played f- football at Melbourne. Fabulous Phil Carmen. Um, didn't have a lot of success. He was captain of Sturt for a number of years. Then went on to change clubs, went to North Adelaide and uh, became captain of North Adelaide as well. Uh, he, he took over my family's um, building business, um, took over my father. Yep. He's got two, uh, two lovely kids that have grown up. He's sort of retired now. Still renovating houses, does an amazing job with his wife Leah, yeah. uh, interior decorator, and they come up with some amazing houses in Adelaide. And I've just bought another one, which in Rose Park, which is one of the Blue Ribbon suburbs. And he's doing that up at the moment, so yep. he still keeps pretty busy. He's a lunatic fisherman. Is loves he? fishing, always going to Darwin. Um, loves he, posting photos. Does he catch up with Alan Jakovic? Go fishing with him anytime? No, he hasn't caught up with Jacko. I mean. Jacko, is he in WA? Not is many people catch <laughs> Exactly. No, I think, we, don't, we don't know. You know, no, no one can catch up with Jacko. I'm pretty sure at some stage the law can catch up with Jacko. It's very hard to find, but he loves his fishing. I know that he – because we had him on the show, Toddles. He, he, he came on the show grand final week. He jumped on the bandwagon. He got over yeah. there because he was in Perth, obviously, and he uh, got yeah. in the rooms. And it was great to see. It was great to see all those Melbourne people coming back to the club. Um, some some questions coming through. Um, uh, the the feeling and the emotion from the Demons FC want to know the feelings and the emotions for you 
when we went bang, bang, bang in three uh, in that third quarter there, when it started to really, really go. How, how did you feel in those moments? Um, well, it, it's some of the best football I've ever seen. Yeah. Um, so I, I just went really quiet. I mean, I was really up and about the first quarter. Uh, the second quarter, I thought, oh, God, we're, we've let that slip a bit. We're back into an arm wrestle. And then early in the third, I was, like everyone, getting nervous and we just lost all momentum. So, um, but then all of a sudden when we went and kicked those goals in quick succession, I, I just went quiet. I just thought, you know, this, can this can this happen? Yeah. Because at some point I thought, I went into the game thinking we were favourites and if we played our best footy, we'd win. Yeah. Uh, then I started listening to the experts and, you know, one game in 28 days and uh, eight players under 21 and shit, I said, that is inexperienced. And all of a sudden started thinking all that, some of those negative thoughts. But um, but when we just, that third quarter, I just couldn't believe it. Some of the best footy, you know, out of, out of stoppage, um, some of the most exciting footy I've ever seen. So I went yeah. really quiet. And the start of the last quarter, I mean, I'm always a bit of a pessimist being in football for such a long time. You always think, how much can we get up without getting run down? Yeah. And we saw in the, uh, you know, when we beat Geelong by seven goals at Geelong. I mean, I've never seen that happen. No. So you don't want to count your chickens, but the momentum just continued to build. And um, uh, I still felt a little bit surreal. Um, yeah. Didn't know how to feel. Wish I could have been there. Yeah. Wish I could have been on the ground. Wish I could have been in the change rooms. Um, but God. it was just with the media family, so yeah, I, it, was, it was tough. I can only imagine for you, mate, really. I mean, I watch my son's local basketball game and I feel like running on the court and giving him a high five when he when he scores a bucket, for Christ's sake. And it's just local, local basketball. Your boy has just brought home, your boy with all those other boys uh, have brought home the, the silverware that we've been looking for for so long. So... Kudos to you, mate, and thank you for creating that that boy of yours as well and, and uh, the stand-up human that he is because he really is a good kid, isn't he? Yeah, no, I think he's represented our family uh, extremely well and represented the Melbourne people really well. Um, you know, he bleeds red and blue and he has ever since those early days running around the change room. So it's great to see, you know, all that unfold in front of us. Um, yeah. And see him and see him do so well. I've never seen him so happy. Yeah. After that, after that win, he he called, he FaceTimed me on the ground with uh, with Goody. Yeah. I've never seen him so happy. And then I see him doing uh, confetti angels in the, all the confetti on the ground. Yeah. It was just like he was uh, seven or eight years of age, you know. That's so awesome. Uh, he's a pretty serious young guy, but to see him so happy was uh, makes you as a parent really happy. Uh would do, mate. Goosebump stuff. And look, really, I, what I like about it is that he's. Uh, He's almost offended if you say anything bad about Melbourne. That's how Melbourne he is. He's a player, right? Like, and he should be. He's always going to be measured. But he takes such offence to anyone saying anything bad. It's it's his life plan at the moment. It has been since he knew about football to make the Melbourne Football Club great. And that's the truth. He really, really, really feels it. And look, we, we as players, we come in, Todd, and we and we just want to make an impression. We want to. We want to do something with our lives, sporting-wise. I mean, I didn't have any family affiliation with the Melbourne Football Club. You were starting something when you first got there. So I guess we go through a stage-by-stage process of wanting to make it in the team, then we want to bring success to the team after that, and then we're just trying to hang on for dear life. Well, from the the moment he's known anything about football, he's just been about making the Melbourne Football Club great. 
and his uh, every breath, every sinew of him, <laughs> he gets offended if you say anything bad about his club, his old man's club, and I absolutely love that. Before, I mean, we've been talking for ages. We can go for it forever, Todders. We've got to wind it up because you got get back to the family. But um, greatest Melbourne moment for you, other than this premiership win, of course. Greatest Melbourne moments, memories, really. What when when did you feel? Wow, that was a big moment. Um, well, for me, playing my first game, um, playing that 1987 final series in my first year is still, you know, I haven't got a great footy memory, but I can still remember the lead up and that whole final series. So that was certainly a unbelievable time in my, in my life. You know, young guy playing footy for the first time in Melbourne with such great people, uh, the Melbourne Football Club, Robbie Flower. Um, so that really sticks out my mind. Captain of the Melbourne Football Club, when, when I was lucky enough to captain the footy club in that 98 season and get into the prelim final um, with a real, you know, some great senior players that were helping along the way leadership, but so many young guys that went on to be champions um, was was really a highlight. Um, you know, getting, getting to the club after footy, after being a player, and then contributing for nine years in, in an administration point of view to see the growth of the club, um, you know, to see, you know, probably the 90, uh, sorry, the 2018, um, you know, prelim final where we yeah. hadn't played finals for a long time and then we played in that prelim, got to a prelim and just faltered badly, but we got yeah. there. It looked like momentum had really changed. People were starting to believe that we could become good. So I think they were the main times that I think I've been really proud of the of the club and loved my time at the footy club. Do you remember in that uh, that game out at uh, the Witten Oval, uh, Western Oval, being pulled over towards the to the at three quarter time the, the Melbourne fans? Do you remember that yeah. someone mentioned it? Yeah. Now, um, John Northey was the master motivator, so he'd do things like that all the time. Um, he pulled us over there like before a game he'd, he'd make us run right over right next to the boundary where the Melbourne supporters were to you know get us um, into the mood or the spirit um, know that we were playing for not only ourselves but for all those people that were at the Witten Oval or the Western Oval um, you know, he was the master at playing mind games and us against them but you know, representing the footy club he was very good at it I remember seeing some vision of you wrestling Robert DiVitaminico and handling yourself very, very well in that fight. Do you, rem- do you remember that? <laughs> of course. You, you're fighting. It's like fighting a crocodile. You're, uh, you're, fighting, you're fighting for your life. <laughs> was he, would he be one of your toughest? Who was your toughest opponent? Uh, I mean, there was, there was some great players. I mean, yeah. Dipper, Dipper, Dipper was a fierce uh, player and... I guess the times were different back then, the late 80s. You know, you're still very physical. Um, wrestling and fighting was part of the yeah. part of your, your toolkit, really. Yeah. Um, there was guys from St Kilda that were tough, like guys like Greg Burns was, was super tough. And yeah. But Rob, yeah. playing on Robert Harvey, I found just as oh. tough, but for different reasons, because he just used to run so hard. Yeah. I mean, I was aerobically fantastic, um, and I used to be physically sick at quarter time. Yeah. Trying to keep up. So running with Robert Harvey was an enormous task. And you know, playing on Nathan Buckley when he first came in, into the competition was 
it was exciting. Tony McGuinness, Chris McDermott from Adelaide. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, there was a lot of tough midfielders. Great um, midfielders. Diesel and likes like that. You know. Yeah, Diesel would give you a whack, you know. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Johnny Platten was a you know, great player. Craig Bradley, different style of player to me. But, you know, it was one if you had to try and play on him, you'd have to have your running shoes on because he was an elite endurance player. So there was lots, lots. Yeah. I remember Hoppy was playing on uh, on um, Robbie uh, Robbie bloody uh, uh, Rob Harvey, and uh, he I think he got we got the ball. Sorry, St Kilda got the ball on the half our half forward flank, so their half back flank. And Hoppy's yelled out to me, "Robo, go with go with uh, Banger." And I turned and see Banger, and he'd do that thing where he'd pick a spot that he was going to run to. He didn't care about the ball. He's picking a spot on the other flank down the other end and he's going to put his head down and sprint there and not stop until he got there. And I thought, oh, oh man, Rob Harvey, oh, you yeah, know, I'm 19 years old. I'll follow this fella all the way down. <laughs> I put everything into my sprint. I could not keep up with him. He took off. He got there and he got the frigging mark out in front of me. I could not believe what had just happened and I couldn't breathe. He just had this unbelievable ability to just go. Poor old Hoppy. Yeah, no, he, he just yeah, and he could just repeat, 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 repeat. So uh, obviously, he won two Brownlows. He must he was a pretty handy player. <laughs> pretty handy player, mate. Um, Todd, that's that's just been absolutely awesome. And look, there's so many questions that I could. I'm sorry to everybody that I didn't get to a lot of your questions. And there's so many um, points in there. If you want to have a look back, Todd, there's some great stuff that you might remember in. They've, they've just got a wealth of, of knowledge, these fans, and, and memories for them of of every single game all the way through to this point. So this has been a real blessing for me is just to, to learn so much more about the Melbourne Football Club and stuff from your era, the great players of your era. I'm trying to get them through. I'd love to get Swoop on the show. I know he's he's back home up in uh, Ballarat that way, isn't he? He's, yeah, he's a yeah, he's yeah, I think, I think he might be. I think he might be just out of Geelong now. I think he's he moved. Lara, but something like that, but... If you could get Swoop, I mean, he's he's still an unbelievable fo- fo- follower of football and yeah. still a mad Melbourne person. Um, I haven't caught up with him since we've won this flag, but he, he'd be so thrilled. Yeah. Um, he used to send me messages when I was doing the list management stuff. He'd be sending me messages and giving me a bit of a bake for oh, yeah. some and a bit of a pat on the back for, about others, but he's still a mad Melbourne person. Got such a wealth of knowledge on footy. Yeah. Uh, it'd be great to get on your show. Gary says, great show, guys. I think so too. That's been really interesting for me because, I mean, it's the early part of my career was the end of your career and some really great players that we got to play with. And that's got to be the last question. Who's the best player you ever saw wearing the red and the blue? You've got Gary Lyon. You've got Robbie Flower. You've got the Wizards, Schwarter, Neats, you know. Gomez, as you said, uh, Glenn Lovett, was a walk-up start every single year to the All-Australian team, wasn't he, on the halfback flank? Yeah. He was unbelievable. Yeah. So yeah. He, we all get a little bit sort of biased and, and chill but was he the best player you ever saw? Who else? I think from a whole deep heap of reasons, one being I just don't want to try and narrow it down to one because yeah. you mentioned some of those guys. But from a talent point of view, Robbie, from an emotional point of view, Robbie, from a Melbourne point of view, Robbie, yeah. Um, so he was, he was just my hero yeah. um, as a player, as a person. Um, set such a great benchmark for me to try and live up to as a Melbourne person. So Robbie Flower, in my, in my opinion. Yeah, good call. I'll go with that. I mean, you don't get a wing 
named after you uh, on a Melbourne game if you're not a superstar. Uh, the kid from, I think he was from uh, Bentley Way. I, I, I Marambina. That's right. Yeah, he's uh, he used to play down there. Got the call up, this skinny kid, and everyone just thought he was like the water boy or something when he first rolled up. <laughs> he goes on to be the greatest player the Melbourne Football Club's ever had, which is an awesome story. And he's so sorely missed because it would have been a beautiful thing. Such a, such a great visual would have been to see him, Ron Barassi, maybe, you know, all those great captains of the Melbourne Football Club uh, handling that cup. For all our fans, that would have been absolutely super. But uh, that's been super, Todd. I, I knew it would be. I appreciate your time. Uh, a father of a, a kid that has uh, really done super things. You must be a proud dad. Great chatting, mate. Uh, maybe we'll see you soon at a, a function. Are you going to come to Ballers uh, Catch-Up? I'm going to be there on the first Friday in um, in December, Robbo. I'll be there. It's on the rooftop. So I think there's some great celebrations coming up at the MCG with all our supporters uh, to celebrate the premiership. So I'm looking forward to getting there and seeing a lot of people I haven't seen for a lot, long, uh, long time. Good on you, Toddles. I'm going to finish this show up here with these fans. I'll let you go, mate. Get back to that lovely wife of yours. Say good day, and I'll see you uh, very soon, December 5th, if I don't see you before. Good on you, mate. See you. Thanks for having me. See you, Toddles. Well, there you go. That's just awesome stuff. I-